0: Good morning. It is Thursday, October 5th. It's five minutes after 11. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Let's talk about all of these kids that are missing school. There's a new report out saying that thousands of Hoosier kids are missing between 10 and 18 days of school just in the last year.
1: Uh, this, this is the most government thing ever, Casey, because now it's, of course, oh, this is a crisis and these kids aren't in school. Mm. And, they, you know, the, the education people, this is the most egregious thing ever. These people have no one to blame but themselves. Our newsroom is very excited in there. I don't know if our listeners could hear that, but it must be an old episode of Johnny Carson or something playing in there. <laughs> these these people have no one to blame but themselves because- They set the precedent? They did. Yeah. During COVID, the government, which is Holcomb, I love the fact that the government, whatever the- is it still called Superintendent of Education? They took away your right to vote on it and gave it to Holcomb to appoint. Yes, Katie Jenner's her name, they still call it Secretary of Education now. Mm-hmm. And the uh the reality is that Holcomb by fiat, the Republican supermajorities in the House and the Senate by silence, and the public education system by lack of any pushback whatsoever said, You don't need to be at school We'll just put you in the online learning. Mm -hmm. And a bunch of us raised our hands and said, well, that doesn't sound nearly as efficient or as effective as being in class. No, it'll be fine. Just do the online learning. And so the president was set to parents and children alike that it doesn't matter if you're in school. It doesn't matter if you show up to your to class each day. And now they are acting as though the sky is falling because people are following the precedent that they set.
0: Yeah. Okay. So they say that a school day is considered missed if a student is there for less than half the day. And this is uh, according to the Indiana Department of Education. They're saying 221,000 students were considered missed chronically absent yeah during the last academic year so if they're saying 221,000 students were chronically absent just last year what do they call it during the COVID years when it was completely shut down. Right,
1: and this is the point. And remember at the time, the people like us who were raising our hands going, kids mm-hmm. should be in the classroom. No, 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 no. You people just want to kill the kids. You want to kill the grandmas. Well, it kind of seems like it's important because people learn better in person. No, nah, no, nah, it doesn't matter. We got this under control. Now, mm-hmm. once the COVID is no longer the cause du jour, yeah. oh, these children need to be in the classroom. Their learning is suffering.
0: Okay, but did you see this? The Indiana Secretary of Education said that this is a a rally cry for us to look at and it almost sounds like she's blaming parents because she says parents, families, caregivers, and other community leaders need to come up with some solutions. <laughs> so it's like, we didn't do this. This isn't our fault.
1: Yeah. So the Indiana Capital Chronicle has a big report on on this. And again, 40% of Hoosier students missed 10 or more days. Five uh, were absent for uh, five. Uh, one in five. 20% were absent eight uh, for at least 18 days. Mm-hmm. So you got 20% of students missing 18 days or more. You've got 40% missing 10 or more you know casey when i was back in the stone age when i was in high school i thought our school corporation and now this was before brownsburg was super woke and you know i know it's changed a lot had a great way to incentivize kids to show up to school and that was that if you had perfect attendance and that meant no missed days Mm -hmm. no tardies Mm -hmm. so you had to not only be at school but you had to have an onus on not screwing around at your locker or whatever else if you had no missed days and no tardies you did not have to take final exams in any of the classes for which you had no missed days or no tardies. And I will tell you, Casey, as someone who pulled that off, I might have been dying inside, but (laughs) I was going to be at school. And it incentivized, not just for the parent to get the kid to school, but buy-in from the kid of saying, hey, Mm -hmm. if you show up, You will be rewarded for showing up to school. They didn't need some, you know, state incentive or whatever. They put it on the kid, and the kid had a reward, and there was a carrot at the end of the – instead of the stick, and it worked.
0: Now – I'm curious, did you do that out of pride because you wanted to have perfect attendance or did you, you, you wanted to get out of taking the oh, test, right?
1: See, I thought school was a colossal waste of time. No, I did that because I didn't want to have to take those final exams. Okay. And whatever the reason, that's part of what good educating is about is figuring out how to in- incentivize and motivate people. And for me and many, 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 many other kids who otherwise would have You know, for a variety of reasons, just simply not come two, three, four days, because we would still be able to do well enough in the classes for whatever standard we'd set for ourselves, I was in the classroom.
0: Well, I think another reason that the uh, Department of Education is trying to draw attention to this, and they're calling it, you know, crisis Uh level, is because you've got these standardized test scores Uh that have been going down, 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 so... They need to explain that away.
1: Well, and you look at how we judge kids in this state. That's also a joke. I mean, Brownsburg, Would Brownsburg will say, well, we're the number one school system. Well, yeah, but like 36% of your kids still failed. We're the number one school system. Right. Uh, but but they, most people have no idea what that means. It's something they can put on their bumper sticker as they drive in their minivan around town. They have absolutely no idea what that means. And really, it is how well did that school corporation teach to the test? Right. I mean, there's a little bit more involved in that, but ultimately the most important thing is how well did that school corporation spend an entire year teaching to this test? Not how much did the kids actually learn, not did their critical thinking skills grow, not did they become more independent in their thought, not are they better researchers, it's how well did they teach to that test? I've told this story before. Back when it was called I-STEP, mm-hmm. I literally fell asleep during the test. hmm <laughs> I, and look, I'm, you know, a grown ass man now and mm-hmm. the statute of limitations has expired on this. So I can tell this story. I literally was so disinterested mm-hmm. in school because I was bored with it, that the classes were stupid. I, I was a great student at college because I took things I was interested right. in. I literally,
0: Something that challenged you, perhaps. I
1: literally, and this is when I knew the public education system was a complete joke. So I must have been a sophomore. I think it was when we had to take these. I literally fell asleep during the test. Mm-hmm. I woke up. The test was over. I'd answered like four or five questions and initially i thought to myself oh crap get ready bal i'm in for a problem then it dawned on me this school has a vested interest in me doing well in this test
0: they're gonna let you retake it. and so
1: i went to them and i said i fell asleep Mm -hmm. boy that proctor sure was half-assing it that day too if he saw a guy sleeping and didn't do anything about it yeah i told them i said i know you don't want me to fail this exam And I forget what weird, bizarro justification they came up with, but they tacked an extra whatever it was, 45 minutes in the guidance counselor's office and said, here you go. Go. Yeah. And what do you know, Casey? I passed the test. Of
0: course you did. I don't think most (laughs) high school students would think that through, though, to say they have a vested interest
1: in me doing well. Well, but most of them don't have the intellectual capacity that I did. No, but you're laughing about it. But but I am a perfect example of how flawed the public education system is. You took a guy, my IQ, and I'm not saying this to be braggadocious, I have an incredibly high IQ. I had terrible grades in high school though, mm-hmm. because I was incredibly disinterested that I was forced into all sorts of things that I looked at and said, I will never use this in my real life. This is disinteresting to me. Mm-hmm. It is not something I'm going to use in my day-to-day operation. I have no interest in this. And then when I got into college, I took things that were interesting to me and my I was a Dean's List and all mm-hmm. the other things. The public education system is failing because they're not training kids to enter the real world in things that interest them by which they can earn a living. I remember this, not to make this some stroll down memory lane. I would get like A pluses in student newspaper Mm -hmm. and journalism. You were an
0: editor. So, of course, that's something that you liked.
1: And I remember my math teacher one time telling me, I don't understand you. I talk to your other teachers and you give A plus effort in that. Mm -hmm. I said, it's simple. I'm interested in that. I plan on having a career in that. That is of use to me in my future endeavors. No offense to you. It is not your fault. You are, you are legally obligated to, to try to teach me something I'm just simply not interested in and is a colossal waste of time.
0: I bet you were a handful. Oh you my
1: gosh. So Casey, this is also true story. This is <laughs> I mean, I was just the worst in high school and, uh, God bless. And I still talk to her this day and she's a pheno- she was a phenomenal teacher and she helped me immensely. Mrs. Watkins was her name. Mm-hmm. My senior year. I had to I had one math credit left to take and it was had to be it was going to have to be finite math. And I looked at my guidance counselor and I said, There is no way I'm passing finite math. And I said, There is no way you want me back in this school any longer than possible. Right. What can we do here? What and they somehow out? and now it is commonplace, but they found a way it was dual they I think they're called dual credit mm-hmm. things at the time. Yeah. But they allowed me to take a math that had never counted before in terms of your actual graduation And I think they played a little fast and a little loose with the rules because I said, I can get through that one and she's a good enough teacher that I'll get through it and they said, Settled, Dun, settled, settled, deal. settled.
0: Yeah. <laughs> it is 15 after 11. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. Let's talk quickly about this other article that's in the Indiana Capitol Chronicle. And it says that Indiana's abortion restrictions appear to be working.
1: Yeah, this is great. So, you know, I, there's no one more critical than the Indiana Republican Party than me. But I told you last year when or was this? Yes, I guess it was last year mm-hmm. when the abortion law was changed that I thought they got a pretty good bill. Is it an A plus bill? No no but it is an a minus or an a bill yes anything that preserves human life is a positive step and that bill clearly is working in terms of limiting the amount of abortions that take Mm -hmm. place it's the lowest amount from april through june since 2019 so for that Jot it down. It's 11-16 on October the 5th, 2023. Mm. Rob Kendall's about to say something nice about Indiana Republicans. They did a nice job with this abortion bill. Is it perfect? No, but is it m- much better than what we had before? Yes, and it is saving human lives in this state. Okay,
0: coming up, we're going to hear from Joe Biden again as his brain freezes. We're going to talk about Ukraine spending. It's 16 after 11. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. It's the time of the season. 19 minutes after 11 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIVC. So the US has sent more than an estimated 100 billion dollars of taxpayer money to Ukraine since that began. How much? 100 billion. <laughs> Not okay. that anybody's counting.
1: Okay, so I think we can agree, Casey, that 100 billion is mm-hmm. a sizable amount of money. <laughs> yeah. Correct. Okay. Yeah could it, and so wouldn't would it be unreasonable for me to say that as a US taxpayer free if we have invested a sizable amount of money in anything the you should be on a napkin be able to give the US taxpayer an, kind of a list of where that money has gone and what the benefit of mm-hmm. the investment has been
0: yeah not only that but also the end game or At what point do we say success or failure? We're done here.
1: So you're clearly, because you do this on a daily basis, more involved and aware of what's going on than the average U.S. taxpayer. Could you tell me right now what we have gotten for our money in Ukraine, what the return on investment has been and how the money has been spent?
0: No, I don't know. And I think that that's something that we should be told.
1: Right. I am not asking that to be flippant or facetious. Yeah. I'm saying you are you are more involved because you do this show on a daily basis mm-hmm. than the average person. Yeah. If you have made a sizable investment of taxpayer money in anything, the person who is much less involved than us should be able to know where their money has gone slash is What are going. we paying for? Right.
0: What are we getting out of this? Yeah. And you also have to consider we have problems funding social security. Medicare, Medicaid, all of the things that have been promised to people in this country. And we don't have this extra money floating around to be sending to other countries.
1: And the reason the politicians are invested in the uh sending the never-ending magical money printing factory over to ukraine i mean it's it's for a variety of reasons number one politicians on both sides are wholly owned by the military industrial complex Mm -hmm. if you look at donations that the majority the majority of these people get you're going to find people are benefiting there's a good chance from operations in ukraine Uh, For the Democrats, and this has been proven, they sent a bunch of money over there. A bunch of that money then conveniently got given to the FTX guy, Mm -hmm. who then conveniently gave hundreds of millions of dollars. To the Democrat Party. Or tens of millions, whatever Mm -hmm. it was, doesn't matter. Huge, huge, huge money to the Democrat Party. So you are seeing a financial interest for the politicians through their campaigns of propping up people who are making the stuff that's going over to Ukraine. You're seeing in the case of the FTX guy, that money coming back to politicians in terms of donations, investments, et cetera, based on money that was invested with him. And so you're seeing why they can't or won't give you an itemized you know, R- ROI mm-hmm. or an audit of what where the money has gone in ukraine and you also are seeing why the politicians fight so hard for it because their campaigns benefit from it
0: okay so that continuing resolution right that's up on november 17th does that sound about right
1: it would be 45 days from whenever they pass so yes probably
0: okay so first of all they got to get a speaker in there do they well they're going to try to keep sending more money, but they can't do that unless they have a speaker because they can't even do a continuing resolution on a continuing resolution.
1: What if we just didn't – again, I would continue to ask the question, what if we just didn't have a House of Representatives? What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> I mean, uh, like I'm like, if the federal government were to shut down tomorrow, how would my life be impacted? Because the most of the stuff – will continue to stay open like there will still they will not just tell the border guards to pack up and and leave. The post office is not going to cease to exist. Uh, The FBI is not going to be shut down. So, like, again, nobody's made the case to me yet on how just shutting the government down is going to negatively impact my existence.
0: So, Rand Paul, he came out. I know you're a big fan of him. Yes. He came out and he said that there's a growing movement within the Republican Party to cut additional funding altogether. And wasn't that the entire point, the argument with Matt Gates and Kevin McCarthy?
1: Yeah, and that's essentially what McCarthy had led people to believe was being done. And mm-hmm. one of the selling points of the CR, the problem was there's been multiple multiple people come out, including, I guess, Biden himself, and allude to the fact that McCarthy has a shady closed-door deal going on because there's tons of Republicans who want to – here is the – and they've said this many times. Whenever you make a deal with people who love government, you got to get yours up front. Because they are always going to look for a way to screw you in well, the end.
0: And even if they don't cash in immediately, they're always going to yes. have that over your head.
1: That's correct.
0: Dangling that over you almost as the threat anytime they don't get their way.
1: This, I used to see this stuff all the time, and I learned very quickly. If you're going to try to make a deal with somebody who likes government, then you have got to get whatever your end of the deal is up front because you are absolutely not, they are absolutely going to always spend their time figuring out how to make sure that they get mm-hmm. theirs.
0: Okay, so Biden was talking about this. He was asked a question about Ukraine and just completely had a brain fart. That additional funding, how long will the United States be able to support Ukraine?
2: We can support Ukraine in the next tranche that we need. And There is another means by which we may be able to uh, find funding for that, but I'm not going to get into that now. What is the other means?
1: Right, and I'm not going to get into that right now. Yeah,
0: I'll I'll get into it November
1: 17th. And this is another example (laughs) of a politician who is totally invested only in the outcome of his desires rather than upholding his obligation to the taxpayer, which is to say we're going to walk through the front door to get it. If you want it, fine. But you walk through the front door and do it. This scheming and scamming and secret society bullcrap stuff, I mean it's just simply ridiculous.
0: Okay, so the uh, former governor of Ohio, he was on TV and he was saying that he wants a coalition between Republicans and Democrats which I... They're, Republicans can't even build a coalition.
1: So John Kasich was a former congressman from Ohio. He was also the governor. He ran for president of Mm -hmm. the United States. He was funny because he was the guy who, even though he had no chance against Trump, would simply not get out. Like, he just refused to get out of the race. And John Kasich is an interesting example of how people can be just totally corrupted based on whatever power or recognition is offered to them. John Kasich was very conservative. I believe he was in the class of 94 In the House of Representatives, much like Joe Scarborough and was part of getting that balanced budget passed. And people kind of looked at him and said, wow, this is a guy that maybe you look to as a future president someday. Very young, conservative, decent looking dude. And then became governor of Ohio. And started moving more and more to the left based on what he perceived as the legalized vote-buying necessary to keep him liked or in power. And then once he ran for president, because he recognized, well, there's a lane out here for someone who hates Trump, went full. For some reason, they can't stay conservative and hate Trump. It's like, must move left Mm -hmm. to get on TV and hate Trump. Like, these things seem to go together. Well, I think it's
0: because Trump owns that lane.
1: Yeah. But Trump's not a conservative. You could. I mean, to me, it's like you could not like Trump and still stay hard hard right because Trump is not hard right. Trump is nothing. Trump is whatever room he's in in the moment that he's in. You don't in at think the time. he's populist? Well, but that's not a belief system. That's yeah. a whatever room I'm in in the moment, whatever appeal to the most amount of people. I'm not going to make the case. I'm going to just form the case around the room that I'm in I'm not going to educate and inform and bring people over to my way of thinking. And
0: I think you know what you're right because that was proven out with his recent comments on abortion. One minute he's saying he's the most pro-life president sure. ever and then the next minute he's ripping on DeSantis's Pu-
1: Popula- populism is not a way of of governing. Yeah. Populism is is a recipe for disaster. The Robert Kennedys and Trumps of the world, it's why Trumps Look, tr- Trump got some things done that were good for the country, no doubt, and you would be lying if you didn't admit that. The tax reform stuff, although it should have been totally offset with spending cuts, and it drove the deficit up because it was not offset with spending cuts, well, it was good in the short term for the country. But when you are a populist, you are void of a, of a belief system And that is a danger because you will change on a dime and the government cannot function and Trump's presidency was largely chaotic, even pre-COVID, because of that belief system. So anyway, full circle, John Kasich Mm -hmm. was on MSNBC, of course he was, and he was talking (laughs) about this idea that Republicans should just team up with the Democrats and coalition around some obviously more liberal speaker.
2: Look, Jose, we've seen this going on for a long time. And what's happened is people are in their silos. And so they believe, if you're a Republican, you believe that the Democrats are a force of evil. If you are a Democrat, you look at Republicans, you look at the Supreme Court, you say Republicans are a force of evil. Uh, Jose, I I honestly think we need, we sort of need a spiritual reset where people begin to realize that other people are not full of evil, that people are... You know, they are people that we can get along with. But right now, there's just no trust. And when there's no trust, there's no ability to make an agreement. Again, if the Republicans can get a consensus candidate and that person becomes speaker and they're not on, you know, on a knife's edge about being taken out in a short period of time, if that doesn't happen and frustration boils over, maybe there is an opportunity for some sort of an agreement between the bulk of Republicans and some of the Democrats that would like to see, uh, you know, the country move forward.
0: So who's out there that can secure 218 votes?
1: Well, maybe Jim Jordan can. I mean, I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, they don't what. It, yeah, it'd be 218. You're right, Casey. Yeah, it'd be 218. I don't know. I mean, I, look, the, I guess it's always the it's always the conservatives who have to come over to the liberals. Yeah. Well, now here's an opportunity to say, hey, look, Mr. Establishment liberal Republican guy, Jim Jordan may not be your cup of tea, but you don't want a Democrat, right? I mean, why, why not? You know, what those old, the goose is good for the gander. By the way, our YouTube chat is having an interesting discussion about the federal workers who might be affected during a shutdown. And I'd like to, because you can watch you well, while you can watch Casey right now on the YouTube feed. You can hear me, but you can watch Casey. My camera's uh, still broke. I'd like to address that when we come back because right. I I'm ready for a hot take today, Casey. I don't feel like I've had any really super hot takes that'll get people fired up. You got one up. brewing. I'd like to address the government workers who might not get paid during a shutdown. All right. Shall we do that?
0: It's next with Kendall and Casey on ninety three WIBC. Life is so much more than a diagnosis. It's about sharing time with those you love it's Kendall and Casey on ninety-three WIBC. So earlier we were talking about what happens if the government shuts, shuts down. W- what do you lose? Um, you were you were kind of like, I don't have a problem with it.
1: Well, you know, we've got just some real Mensa members in the YouTube chat that I always find interesting. Uh, by the way, I, I I can't tell you the joy I get over people who hate me that spend three hours a day every day obsessing <laughs> over our show.
0: Like, is there somebody in there? Well, the chat room. No, right there's now? a litany
1: of them. Okay, and I just love the fact I mean the, one of the things I will find myself chuckling about this on my way home various days that Casey there are people who their whole day is around how much I suck or you suck or mm-hmm. how awful our show is or how wrong we are I mean and it is like play-by-play commentary on our show and they do, I guess they don't realize that you being in that YouTube chat mm-hmm it helps account for my bonus. (laughs) You being in that YouTube feed accounts for my ratings.
0: Hate me all the way to number one. Just
1: keep posting. Uh I laugh and laugh and laugh and laugh. And I've never understood that, but I'm so glad you people are here. And one of these people was commenting about how, well, what about the, if there was a shutdown, these federal workers who, Mm -hmm. if they got furloughed, well, they, yeah, sure. They'd get their, they'd get their check in the end because many people may not know if there's a shutdown these people don't lose their pay they just don't get paid while the shutdown's taking place and they get uh they get paid at the end but that it is
0: retroactive
1: right right they get all yeah. their money back it's a, the the word shutdown or closing the federal government is a complete joke because these people get their money and this is the only place that this happens i care as much about the federal government workers not getting their money as they cared about the private sector workers not getting their money during covid mm-hmm. And I didn't see many of any federal or state employees who were all still getting paid. It's part of why Holcomb doesn't give a crap at all about what he did during COVID, because he still he got, got paid. he got paid, he gets his benefits, his mm-hmm. insurance, all the other stuff was taken care of. I didn't see many of any of these federal workers or state workers or local workers, which is why it's a joke, like when I went to that council meeting the other night. Oh, these firefighters, they deserve an, and town employees deserve an adjustment for their paycheck. They haven't gotten the adequate raises the past couple of years. They got paid during COVID when a million people were out of work, Casey. Mm-hmm. They were still their kids were eating. There was a roof over their head. There was clothes on their back. It doesn't mean to dilute what you do or or may not do in fire pe- fighters and other town workers are some of the nicest, most best people amongst us but to act like you have somehow been aggrieved over the past three years when you didn't miss a single solitary paycheck while people literally had their businesses closed, some of them who had been doing it 20 or 30 years, and some of them were closed forever. And I didn't see many government workers raising their hands going, no, you got to keep society open Mm -hmm. because those workers are going to be unemployed. Look
0: at these poor private sector people. Okay, so uh, a lot of people talk, talking about what the next Speaker of the House should be doing. And, you know, as we had educated our audience yesterday, part of the uh, responsibility of the Speaker of the House is to put uh, things on the agenda, what they're going to focus on. And a lot of people are saying one of the top things that they should do is to impeach Mayorkas uh, because of the invasion at the southern border and his just horrific job that he has done and the spin every time you hear this guy he says what a wonderful job he's doing but then you see images contrary to that
1: the but this is amazing it's like we should impeach him for this we should impeach him for that they don't seem to recognize that they have the power over everybody through the power of the purse Mm -hmm. isn't that amazing casey that you keep seeing these republicans and we talked about this a little bit last night during our roundtable. how like they it is They have the ability to fix the issue. Mm -hmm. They don't fix the issue. Then they look at the guy in charge of the issue that they didn't fix, and they go, we got to get rid of him. He's got to be out of here. Let's impeach this ding-dong. When reality is, time and time again, you have the ability to actually fix fix the issue through the power of the purse, and you simply choose not to do it. Okay, so—
0: Biden has done a bit of a U-turn today <laughs> in regards to the border and saying that he's going to begin, well, not him, but he'll have someone do it, begin construction on a wall in Texas. And this is to deal with this surge of migrants that yeah. is coming in.
1: Uh, what is it? What's going on, Casey? Is Biden, is he suffered an, a head injury of some sort? Is I mean, even worse than he currently has? Well, is there some sort of amnesia taking place here? Does he?
0: They've been slamming Trump on this forever.
1: Right. I mean, the hypocrisy of this, that he made it a core issue. Mm -hmm. But now the governor of New York comes out and goes, hey Biden we got a problem here we got, get ready Bal. We're, we've been in for a problem and all
0: of that time we heard how we can't afford this we can't afford a wall we can't do And but yet we can send a hundred billion dollars over to Ukraine
1: yeah absolutely
0: so what's going on here
1: uh i think you turn well i think it is when it's no different than what's taking place in the state house right now i've said the same thing for seven years and these republicans will just sit and bad mouth me when it comes to the property taxes oh he he doesn't he's void of any plan he's void of any idea how would you fund the local governments he's a shock jock looking for ratings and then Luke Kenley waltzes in there and tells them the exact same mm-hmm. thing, former state senator, that I've been saying for seven years, and all of a sudden oh, now there's momentum and merit behind we must do something to reform the property tax uh, tax system. It's no different here. The fact when it's DeSantis or Greg Abbott or the governor of Arizona saying it, well, these are just, these are these governors are just dumping their problem onto us, and this border, this is not serious, We're, it's a humanitarian crisis. Mm-hmm. These people deserve deserve asylum and deserve to be here and live life in the pursuit of happiness but then when it's the governor of new york who says it well like that all of a sudden now we better, we're back to building the wall we
0: better get on this uh, okay so mayorkas came out and said there is presently an acute and immediate need to construct physical barriers today this morning and you know who is loving this Donald Trump. He truthed out, will Joe Biden apologize to me in America for taking so long to get moving and allowing our country to be flooded with 15 million illegal immigrants from places unknown? I will await his apology
1: and by the way can i just point out casey mm-hmm. again how right i am these people these men's members very high iq people in our youtube chat have mm-hmm. now spent the past several minutes bitching about me and my take on the federal workers <laughs> so what you don't realize is once again the past five minutes is you've been complaining about me you've been contributing to my bonus thank you very much and yes by the way for the again the very high iq people in our youtube chat many many people that we worked with in this building were laid off because they were private sector workers during covid i was just one of the lucky ones because our ratings are so damn good who got to keep their job mm-hmm. but thank you again for proving my point you have contributed to my bonus i uh, greatly appreciate that
0: it is 11:43. it's kendall and casey on 93 wibc let's talk about what's going on with eric Doden. Okay, Indiana gubernatorial candidate speaking out. He Is he finding his voice so this just is, in time?
1: So this is wild. Kev, can you write me a little uh, note here on what time I have to be out on this? Because I need to figure out how how long I have to try to make something very complex, simple for people, which is quite a... Oh, yeah, okay, I got plenty of time. Great. All right, so <laughs> um, we have talked at length about uh, Brad Chambers and Eric Holcomb's... Mm-hmm. Uh, Good Time Fund Brigade and how they are trying to take all sorts of money from poor and middle class people. They are attempting to use that money to give it to some uber wealthy corporations in Boone County. And they are attempting to um, essentially they'll go look at all these bright, shiny objects that have sprouted up. Well, they used your money to do it through Sweetheart Real Estate Deals. Part of the problem they're having with this is one vital thing that these mega corporations have to have is water and they don't have enough water in Boone County in the existing landscape Mm -hmm. to fund this little dream that Holcomb and Chambers and the rest of the good time fun gang have. Mm -hmm. So their answer to this is they're going to steal water from other communities and through pipelines, run that water. They're going to extract uh, water from communities such as Lafayette and they are going to run this water because it's actually a flawed, highly flawed plan that they have on top of taking the money from regular people and giving it to super rich corporations. But they're also going to now make it harder to live in other communities because they are going to extract resources from those communities to further benefit these mega corporations.
0: Okay, so they have to get about 100 million gallons of water every day to go
1: 35 miles. Yes, that's correct. And so you have seen, I think Curtis Hill came out against mm-hmm. this, and now even Eric Doden, which is wild and wacky because Doden was the head of the IEDC mm-hmm. before Chambers. So
0: he would have known about this well, he prior knows, to this yeah, moment. It's
1: like this guy acting all offended that the IEDC is doing things that are screwing regular people to benefit super wealthy people. That's the whole premise of the thing. That's why the IEDC should absolutely go away. That's the whole premise of it. You take money from people, give it to corporations because you like them better, because they fit in your elitist circle. Now, I'm glad that Doden's speaking out against it because it gives us an opportunity to once again talk about how those people in Boone County are totally getting screwed over. But we don't give like any, you know, big high five and pat on the back to this guy because he was part of the problem for a long time.
0: He said that he's deeply concerned about this plan.
1: Well, welcome to the party, pal. Yeah.
0: Okay, so uh, we talked about the Forbes 400 richest people the other day. Elon Musk, number one on the list. Donald Trump, off of the list. But now there's a new athlete, first athlete on the list. He's worth a whole lot of money. And we're going to talk about Michael Jordan coming up on 93 WIBC. IBC. it is the Kendall and Casey show. Rob, I don't know who your favorite athlete is. I'm guessing it's Tiger Woods.
1: Oh, Casey. No. I like the losers and the downtrodden <laughs> and the Well, look, okay, first of all, I'm a grown ass man now, so I don't have a favorite athlete okay. anymore. Fair. I would say when I was in a more youthful uh stage of my existence, I well, I admired, you know, people like John Daly, mm. you know, someone mm-hmm. who, who no matter What happened? I would always be on a slightly higher pedestal than them. (laughs) Well,
0: did you see that Michael Jordan has reached a new milestone? He is now in America's 400- wealthiest people category.
1: Like everything, not just amongst athletes. Like he is the uh, if you were to say who are the 400, All people. Yeah, four hundred right. richest people. Forbes, okay. Forbes does a list every year. Yep. He is number 379.
0: 379. So we talked about this yesterday. Elon Musk is the richest person in the country right now and Donald Trump got kicked off of yeah. this
1: list. So Jordan is richer than Trump.
0: That's it. Exactly. Wow, that's Isn't wild. that something? So he already has earned billionaire status. He's been there for a while, since 2015. But now his net worth is high enough to make this 400 list.
1: Okay. $3 billion. Yeah. So this is what's super interesting about Jordan is that Jordan, and and you have seen this with multiple athletes now, what they made as a player pales in comparison to what they made after their playing days, either through, Mm -hmm. in some cases, it's investments. Mm -hmm. In the case of Michael Jordan, it was endorsements, and the endorsements, together with his star power as a player, allowed him to be able to purchase the Charlotte Hornets basketball team, uh, which he is in the process of selling. I think he's finally actually wrapped up the deal, and I think he got something like close to $3 billion for Now, he wasn't the sole owner. There were other people who were in on it. But the fact is, he has leveraged probably better than any athlete in the history of ever, which is why he's on this list, his fame as a player into colossal wealth in his post playing days.
0: Okay, so it was, he sold his majority stake in the Charlotte Hornets, but not only has he done endorsement deals with Nike, but also with Haynes, Gatorade, and Upper Deck. So. Multiple endorsements are helping him make his money.
1: Yeah, uh, nobody's ever, I mean, the whole Jordan thing, and obviously it has continued well past his days as a player, but Michael Jordan in his prime, probably when you take in recognized and respected, let's face it, Jordan has done some kind of shady stuff, the gambling, etc., but in terms of when he was playing and the way his image was crafted and everybody remembers the Gatorade "Like to be like Mike mm-hmm. thing. And then obviously, as you mentioned, kind of post-playing career, the Haynes stuff. Yep. And then remember, I think he did, uh, like he even did a thing with Larry Bird during the Super Bowl one year where the, the Lays chips were there in some sort of shootout contest. And I mean, he was a marketing juggernaut and then he was able to take that and, and just use it post playing to create the ability to buy the sports franchise which sports franchises are i mean that's the golden goose right they just keep going up in value and he's made huge amount of money on buying buying the Charlotte Hornets even though they stink
0: can you imagine being rich enough to buy an entire team Like, I just, I'm just going to buy this team. So, 15 seasons in the NBA. Yeah. He won five MVP awards. Yeah. Six titles with the Chicago Bulls. This is like totally a late 90s thing for me. We would literally. Schedule our lives around the Chicago Bulls. Your husband
1: loves Michael Jordan.
0: Oh, yes, he does. He does. And uh, so Michael Jordan, you know, doing a lot of philanthropy as well. I don't know if you're aware of this, but on his 60th birthday, Uh he gave $10 million to make a wish.
1: Yeah, that's great.
0: I mean, that's how much money this guy has that on his own birthday... He gives 10 million of it away.
1: Uh, like, And you mentioned Tiger Woods to start the segment. Yeah. I would say Tiger Woods is the only athlete who comes close in terms of Tiger in his prime mm-hmm. and to Jordan in his prime in terms of universal or near universal ID, like people who are- I always remember this about my-, my so my grandmother in her 80s would stop and watch golf. If if it was on and Tiger Woods was mm-hmm, in the tournament, mm-hmm. and and it was like if you that was her favorite, well, you're right. I mean, you're attracting eighty something year old little old ladies. <laughs> you have near universal name ID, mm-hmm. and obviously, Tiger's was derailed by infidelity, etc. And and then you know issues with with uh, substance abuse. You know, the, as right? In, these things have played out, and his I think his brand has taken a hit. But in terms of Tiger in his prime. Tiger Woods in his prime is the only person who comes remotely close to Michael Jordan at the height of his advertising juggernaut.
0: Well, collectively, this America's 400 richest people now have a net worth of $4.5 trillion.
1: Hey, can I just say something real quick? Sure. I want to congratulate you for making it through the show today. (laughs) You too. Well, I mean, I was not... uh... I was not slinging drinks the way you and Kev Rooney were. Uh, a little nip-nip. <laughs> but uh, you made it. You made it through not only a night with WIBC in uh-huh. fabulous fashion, you also made it through this show today, and that is why you're a highly trained professional.
0: Yeah, and if only we were on the Forbes 400 richest <laughs> list, right? We wouldn't have to come in the day after ah. a night with WIBC. <laughs> yeah, I, I just love that. That we, so we, you know,
1: we do all this extra work yesterday, get out of there 9, 30, 10 o'clock, whatever it was, and our boss is like, well, see you in the morning.
0: Yeah, that's the way it happens. Right? Oh, and it's one of those days where you wake up and you go, Wasn't I just here? Yeah. Yes, actually, in fact, you were. All right, well, that's going to do it for us today. Thank you, Rob. Thank you, Kevin. Go home and take a nap. It's Kendall and Casey on 93 W I B C.